This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm your very happy host today, Jackie, and I'm here with my equally happy friend, maybe even more happy than me. Rahul, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing wonderful, my friend. It's great to be back. It's great to be a Chelsea fan in October 2023. <laughs> Three days in, it's, life's good. The energy, the excitement levels, everything changes on this podcast when we win because wins are hard to come by. But do we have two wins in a row now, Rahul? Is that what's going on? We do. What have we gone from six wins in 2023 <laughs> to eight? In no time, too. <laughs> We've really increased the, the quality of the wins over here and the percentage of the wins. So I think this is going to be a fun episode. It's been a long time since we've got to just enjoy ourselves and and really just say like, hey, we've won a game. Let's go from there. But Obviously, we're alluding to winning with uh, Brighton in the Cup there. We didn't expect much, but we did good to get that 1-0 result. And I think the biggest thing we said was we were going to build on it. And I think we build on it at least for 81 seconds from what I can understand. <laughs> we did we did enough to get the three points, score twice. Uh, but no, look, jokes aside, we did say we had to build on it. We weren't sure if we were going to build on it. But the boys came out, did the job away the chances maybe not right away in in Breuer's case uh but all in all it was a good day uh in a west london derby and now we're kings of west london i love how you try to find little places that we can be champions of something and obviously in this case we've narrowed it down to west london but look we'll take what we can get at this point in the season and it's looking up rahul i'm gonna run through the starting 11 really quickly and then we'll kind of break it down from there but uh chelsea play a 4-3-3 with rob sanchez in goal and Mauricio Pochettino sticks with Silva and De Sassi as centre-backs. Uh, Marco Correa right back, and I think we called it to a certain degree that he would be in there because of the injuries to our right-backs and the red card to the one of the right-backs as well. Levi Colwell persisting at left-back. He, he's been a topic of discussion in the last few episodes, but he does something fun in this game. We'll talk about that as we break it down. A midfield trio of Enzo, Gallagher, and Caicedo with Gallagher playing a little higher up. It's almost like Pochettino listened to the last episode where we say we need to do something along those lines. Mudrik on the left, Cole Palma on the right, and Armando Broya with his first start in almost a year leading the line. So Rahul, a lot of changes. What can you tell me about this first team 11 that he's gone with? Sorry, Rahul, you're on mute. My bad. Uh, expected starting 11 based on injuries, based on suspensions. Um, we saw Kukurea play right back against Brighton in the cup. He did well. We, we heaped praise on him. So uh, did expect him to play, which was good. Levi Colwell or Ashley Colwell, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> um, continues at left back. And if he can produce some of the, the balls or the runs or the assists that he provided in this game, uh, not a lot of fans are going to be questioning Pochettino for him playing there, but he continues and and it. I mean, at this point, it's getting what six, seven games in. He's played that position. Uh, he's played in that back four, and maybe he's just settling in, getting comfortable, and the team's getting comfortable having him there. Uh, and then you're right. I think 
Pochettino has been listening because he did tweak <laughs> the midfield slightly. Um, and it paid dividends. And, and maybe Enzo and Gallagher, Gallagher uh, outperformed, outshone uh, Caicedo, which we can talk about here in a second. But yeah, Armando Broya, I told you he was going <laughs> to score. We, we have to run through what happened in our text messages because... I came in all positive. I'm like, Broya is going to score. This is the day. It's going to happen. And I'll let you tell the listeners what you said to me. Yeah, and I think it will come full circle towards the end of the segment because it, it is kind of a way where we made predictions. But not to be the Debbie Downer, but I did have some concerns on a player that's not really played competitive football in a year. Yes, he made a, a debut the other day or or a comeback, I should say, for less than 10 minutes Rahul I think in all in all was like five minutes that he was on the pitch and probably got two or three touches and I do acknowledge that we're struggling in the center forward position obviously with Jackson with his yellow cards plus potentially a wrist injury which I'm sure he could play with but I almost wondered if Cole Palmer should come in and play that false nine and give Broha a little bit of time but to him to start a game after not playing high level competitive football for a year was a concern for me. And I think that's where you're alluding to me being negative and all of this stuff. But ultimately, I think there's a player in there, right? And that's what I want to reiterate or I want to at least get my point through is I wasn't negative about Broha particularly. <laughs> I was negative about the situation and the injuries that we've been struggling with all a couple of years now, really. And I was worried that this could lead to him getting another injury. And I'm knocking on wood here that hopefully that what we saw was it's just time to take him off because he doesn't have full match fitness yet. But no, glad to see him starting for sure. Yeah, and and listen, I was excited because I had fully expected one of the wingers to play a false nine or play as the striker because you're right, Broha, Broha was not ready, but that shows you the trust that Pochettino has in him and the, shows you the hunger and desire from Broya to say, you know what, boss, give me 60 minutes, give me 50 minutes, I'll give you everything I can. And... I'm sure he had hoped he would score. I think he even said it in his post-match game was, you know, I, I'm a striker. I live to score goals. That's my dream. That's what I grew up wanting to do. But he did get a little bit of luck. He did get uh, a miss early on where it didn't go for him. But he came back from it. And honestly, like, if that's what we can get out of him, that provides competition for Jackson, which only helps both of them. So, um I'm so positive about it. I don't think he's injured. I think he was just taken off as a precaution. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see more of him as the season goes on. Yeah, so usually, Rahul, we sit here and we break down the first Team eleven and kind of walk through each of their performances. But I want to skip ahead and high-level review say that we played more or less similar football to what we've seen under Pochettino and even to some degree under Graham Potter where we attack well, we have a lot of ball, we keep a good amount of possession we're very infamous for missing chances. You alluded to the Broha miss in the first half there very early on as well. And you you start to get worried about what's going to happen. I did say there was about 80 seconds or 81 seconds where there was a big difference in Chelsea's play today. And that's when we got the two goals. So I want to dive right into that. One man that has taken a lot of criticism, rightly so or wrongly so. It doesn't really matter at this point because a goal has come. And that's Mikhailo Mudrik. He gets his goal in the form of as you said, Ashley Colwell giving him the assist over here. Rahul, what did you make of the goal? And maybe we can talk through more than just the goals, the feeling of relief that I think we saw on more than just fans in our faces, but even the midfielders' faces for the fact that, you know, Mudrik has got his first goal or his first professional goal, I should say. 
or Chelsea have just scored their first Premier League <laughs> Chelsea goal in order of yeah. <laughs> uh, No, look, Mudrick deserves that goal. He's worked hard. I want I want to say since he's come in, and it's not been easy. It's been tough. It's been difficult to get himself going with the squad and the changes and the manager and the background noise. And, and let's not forget, there is a war happening in his country, which is obviously on his mind. And even the start of this season where Pochettino is not picking him, people are questioning what's going on. Does he have the mentality? Does he have the desire to succeed? He obviously has the tattoos that say talent ain't enough. Um, But in the last maybe three weeks or so, we've seen him come alive. And not only that with him, Pochettino is saying the right things in the press conferences. He's giving a little bit of insight of what happens behind the scenes with the crossbar challenge. And he's saying, I see a change coming. And we see that change on the pitch where suddenly a number 10 isn't getting snuffed out or getting uh, marked out or getting tackled and he's losing the ball. He's making things happen. He's coming alive. He's anticipating things. And that's what we saw in this case where Kowal picks up the ball and Maybe you could say, Mujik, what are you doing as that second forward or as that inside forward? But that's what you require sometimes from your wingers to 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 be in those positions, to to make that run. Uh, because we've seen it with, and I'm going to give him this praise, but he deserves it. We've seen it with Liverpool where Trent picks up the ball, crosses it into Mane on the other side. Robertson picks the ball, crosses it into Salah on the other side, and they score. And honestly, that's how I felt about this goal is it's it's that Liverpool-esque where they've used their wingers to come in and, and, and contribute with the goals. And sure, the ball is inch perfect. The, the defender misses his, his header. It falls to Mudrik, who's alive another day, another, uh, uh, another touch maybe, and he misses it. But it all just fell for him. And that relief, not just from, from Mudrik, from Colwell, who's selling him, you deserve it. I'm not going to use the language that he used. And then we see Enzo and Caicedo just jumping on each other. Like, we finally scored a goal. And <laughs> unfortunately for me, I wasn't watching this live. Um, but even watching the replay and watching the videos, I, I was like, thank God we've scored yeah. here. You know, Rahul, you've done a really good thing about bringing up the analysis of Liverpool. And I, and I liken this one to maybe... You know, Mauricio Pochettino with Tottenham and what he did for maybe a human son coming in from the left and playing not centrally, but almost as that second striker assisting Harry Kane to get the goals and get the business done. And I think a Mudrik of two, three, four weeks ago is not in that position. And even if he is, he's not getting that touch. And even if he gets that touch, he's not getting that finish. So sometimes, and we used this a lot last time, sometimes things have to click. I don't think in this case things have to click. I think you've analyzed it very, very accurately, is that he's worked very hard and Pochettino on the backside, whether it's obvious or not obvious, is saying the right things by praising him, putting an arm around his shoulder, maybe holding him back when we need to hold him back. He's he's done well for 50, 60 minutes in the other game. Let's pull him off, let him feel the excitement of the crowd cheering for him and going down. And you can see he's, he's loving football, Rahul. And I say this because... When you see an attacker in the likes of Mudrik, and I saw him come back, track back, and put in two or three very good tackles where he's even on the floor and trying to clear the ball, you know he's working hard for this team. And you see it in the midfielders in Enzo and Caicedo. Yes, I think Caicedo finds the ball out to Colwell, but after that they go, it worked. Whatever we're doing is working, and that's what we want, right? 
these little wins is going to help build that confidence that we've been looking for. And I don't know, 80 seconds later, we go on from Mudrik to Armando Broja, who we've alluded to, but he's been a bully in the first 10, 15 minutes of the game, made some great runs, finds a great opportunity to dribble through and then skies it. And we go, okay, here's the Broja that's not been here in a year. He's not fit. He's missing easy goals. But Rahul, for that goal that he got, he really pressed. And that's I think that's what Pochettino wants is at least at the very least, show your aggression, show your attitude that you want to be here and you want to play for Chelsea Football Club. That's that's basic requirements of any professional player that puts on the blue shirt is you you have to be hungry. You Regardless of it's 1-0, 2-0, I'm going to throw out a, a score here that I haven't seen in a long time, 3-0, 4-0, 5-0. Um, you just have to continue going. And we saw that. I think you mentioned it maybe not last episode or uh, or maybe offline where Newcastle and against Sheffield did not stop. They just kept going. And and that's what you want to see. And it's maybe we can point to Fulham and they put, pass it back and invite the pressure on them. But we make the most of that. And how many times have we sat here and said, we don't make the most of our opportunities. We don't force teams into making errors. We certainly did this time. And apart from Broya, I have to give credit to another player, which is Cole Palmer, who does enough to cut off that passing lane for Tim Ream to maybe go outside. He is kind of forced to come on the inside. And you can see Cole Palmer is just just stretches a leg out because he's he's anticipating. He's not sure if it's going to happen, but he's like, you know what? If it does, I'll be here. He picks it up, lays it off for Broya. A little bit of a deflection, a little bit of luck, but we we've needed that luck and and certainly needed it for a long, long time. So it just fell for us. It works out. We've scored two. I was really hoping we'd go on and kick on and get a couple more, but at that point, I was maybe being selfish, two nil, and and I'm I'm happy. Yeah, you're happy. You know, Mikael Mudrik is happy. Broja is happy. But Rahul, I think you've talked about the right player, and that's Cole Palmer. 40, 45 million, what we brought him in for. And I must admit, I wasn't too familiar with Palmer as a player. I think I've seen him make a couple of odd appearances for Manchester City here and there. He scores a good goal here and there. And you go, he's a decent youth player. But of course, you're playing in a, a fantastic Manchester City team. You can stick me on there and I'll get a goal after every 60 matches or so. And, and I, I mean that facetiously, I would not get a goal. But it's it's showing and it's telling us that there is a player in here because in the last couple of games, he's felt like the secret sauce. It's felt like football is flowing through him. And last year we were depending on a player like Enzo. And this year with Paul Palmer so far, you can see that he's slightly different from the wingers that we had in years that have gone by or attacking midfielders. He wants the ball. He wants to be in that tight pocket of space. His head is up. He's looking for the killer pass. His pressing is good, which is, I think, the most important thing that Pochettino wants from him. And so I'm pleased. I know that it's early days and We've seen this from players before where they have a great start for one or two games and then they kind of fizzle off. So for Palmer, I think I, I look at Pochettino again and I say, he's doing the right things. You've managed him well and similar to the way you've managed Mudrik, maybe Palmer doesn't need that level because he's been in England and played with Manchester City and he's used to the Premier League. But maybe along those lines, you manage him well where he's getting a good amount of minutes and showing what he can do but we don't break the confidence that's in this guy and we can kind of see him grow and become a vital part of this Chelsea team for the rest of the season. Yeah, he he offers more than just what we've spoken about, the pressing, the closing down. It's the He made an assist in the last game for Jackson against Brighton. 
he's just aware of his surroundings and where he needs to be and where he needs to play the ball. And we've missed that maybe with, with some of the other attacking options. I'm not going to specifically call anyone out. But it creates a really good problem for Pochettino where you have some of these players that will come back from injury, but suddenly a Cole Parma has stepped up the last two games and you look at it and you say, should I really be dropping him? He's kind of building a chemistry. But regardless of who the striker is, he's provided assists for both of them in the last two games. Um, and he's just doing the hard work that we need from from that position, from being up front. And so I I think we questioned the signing when it happened. Do we need him? Or are we spending this much? We're selling our youth by Man City's youth. But so far from what we've seen, it's it's paying dividends. And, and it it should only get better from here. Uh, famous last words. Uh, but <laughs> not to get too carried away, I think all in all, that first half was the best I've seen all year long. Yeah, and, and I look at it holistically, right, Rahul? I think Fulham, as good as we were on the day, Fulham were not their usual self. And I think that's important to note that maybe a Fulham on a different day who are more up for it, a little more aggressive. And don't get me wrong, there were little spats of aggression in the derby. I mean, Thiago Silva got a, a karate chop to the head and that was kind of overlooked. And I know I'm bouncing all over the place, but I think as good as we were, Fulham were not as good on the day. But you made a very, very key point here is there have been many teams in the last year that have not been up to par. And we've looked good. And by looking good, we've had 80% of the ball 50 shots, but none on target. We can finish easy things. We're always offside. And that's why I keep coming back to that couple of minutes of those two big decisions to actually put the ball in the net is so, so important because while we're playing our normal football, we haven't always seen luck go our way or goals go our way. And so if in this case we come up against a team who's not having a good day and we finally find a way to punish them, these are the little building blocks that we need to kind of say, now we've won two in a row. We've scored three goals in quick succession over two games, obviously. Let's take this confidence and go to the next game, which we'll talk about later. But that will help the team overall in, into a positive light, which is, I think, trying to get over this hump of, oh, Chelsea have only got eight wins in, in one year. It must be playing on the players. And so, so quickly, Rahul, we go from six to eight. And that's why I said it's just going to do the team a world of good. It, it definitely is. And and we spoke about the relief of getting that first goal, but it's it, it's more than that. And it's the relief of that pressure that's built up over the last three weeks from our last win, which was actually over or three weeks ago. It was almost yep. over a month ago um, where the players are seeing like we're doing the hard work. We're doing the right things. We're winning games on XG. And, and I know we hate talking about that. We're creating more chances. We've been one of the, the hardest working teams, but we're not seeing the reward for it, which is, which is getting the three points, which is getting the win. And, the players care. You can tell. You can see that from from that reaction, from that even just the celebration with the two goals, where Cole will everything he says to Mudrik, and then when Broya scores, they all come in and are celebrating with him and hitting Cole Palmer to be like, "We recognize what you've done." So this unit seems like they've struggled this season. They've struggled. They've seen they've seen some bad stuff written about them, but they've they've had to take it on the chin and. Again, it's only two games. It's Brighton and Fulham. We have to keep building. We have to keep doing the right things. But you're seeing that they do care and they are affected by the results. And, and um, when we question them or boo them or they didn't come clap the away fans and they don't care and they're just going to take their paychecks and go away. 
it's all right when we're frustrated, but ultimately it's in these moments where things go for you that you can show that emotion and passion. It really does come down to that, and I hope that we see more of it. And as the game progresses, Rahul, we've talked a lot about Palmer and maybe you know young players that are really fighting for this club. We've highlighted Mudrik, we've highlighted Broha, and I think one guy that you and I, at least at least on this podcast, have highlighted several times, and that's Conor Gallagher. And I think I come back to what we talked about Chelsea toying with the idea of selling Gallagher. And, and while it was an appetizing offer of 40 or 50 million, I think some of the things you and I talked about was who from the youth academy has made it through now that Mason Mount has left. Obviously, Reese James is great, but he's injured half the season, right? What does this mean for players that are decent and have shown that they love this club and they want to be here and then they can take the next level up? And we were very, very worried. And even as we're pursuing the likes of Caicedo and Lavia, you go, well, are they just trying to squeeze Gallagher out? He's playing in this pivot. Where is he going to fit? But now he's shown, and I think we've said this before, he's played in this pivot. He's played a little more attacking. He's played on the right of a three, the left of a three. I mean, he's doing what we expect from him, which is really just pulling on that shirt and saying, where do you want me, boss? I'm going to be there. And in this particular game, you talked about Palmer closing the lines. I watched the the replay from behind Tim Ream, and it's Gallagher closing the lines on Fulham's Paulinia so the ball can't make it out, right? So he's doing those things that we want and we're excited for. And a lot of things, you sent me a, a lovely clip from Frank Lampard. And I know there are a lot of people out here that hate Frank for managing us, but he does understand football. You don't get to 200-odd goals from midfield just from being there, right? And he talks so much about Gallagher's passion for the club in the difficult dark times that we were last year, he's early for training, ready to work hard, shows that he's available to do what needs to be done. I think the only criticism that we may have of him, and it's us now out of reach, is we've seen this version of Gallagher with maybe Crystal Palace score eight, ten goals a season. And he's missed a couple of chances here and there. And 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 I'm picking on him. I do acknowledge that because the team has been horrible at scoring goals. But now that we've got the one and the two goals. I'm hopeful in the next couple of games, if we are scoring goals and if we are continuing on this trajectory, he chips in with the goal just to kind of add this to his game. Absolutely. And and that is what is missing right now are the goals and, and that ability to provide that from midfield, which Lampard touched on too, like you said. Uh, but I, a lot of our fans disrespect Connor Gallagher. And I bet you if his name was Galinio or something like that, we would be twerking for him and saying, we should be buying him, and why isn't he at our club? Um, and and you and I may have been guilty of it too, where we're saying he's running around like a dog and he needs to calm down and he needs to be a little less aggressive. That's not who Conor Gallagher is. Conor Gallagher has the engine. He's, he has the ability to be box-to-box, to, box, to close down, to press, to be uncomfortable for the other team. And what more would we ask for from a player that's come through the academy, that's been with Chelsea, that's dreamed of being not just a Chelsea player, but now Chelsea captain in the absence of Reese James and, and Ben Chilwell. And that's where I feel like we've been unfair. We've been overcritical in some cases. We've scapegoated him. And for everyone that's done that, including me, I put my hand up and I say, we we were wrong. We We were seeing something that we just expected. Well, he performed for Crystal Palace. Why can't he do it for Chelsea? It's different. It's a level up. We've we've seen it with Caicedo, who's come in from Brighton, and, and he's taking his time. We've seen it with other players that have come in, and they need some time. And Conor Gallagher is doing the hard work. I would hate to be an opposition player 
having him breathing down my neck or running towards me. And in this position and in the way he played in this game, which is a little more attacking, but also coming back and doing the dirty work, that's where he he shines. And and you just have to look at the stats. I'll, I'll provide the numbers. 88% pass accuracy, 60 touches in the full game, 37 out of 42 passes completed. Sure, it could be a little bit better there. 7 out of 12 ground duels won, 5 out of 5 tackles won, Jackie. For a guy that we said just runs around, 5 ball recoveries, 1 key pass. He was a man of the match. And he was, so indeed. The numbers don't lie. We've got to respect him. We've got to give him the credit that he deserves. And he's suddenly becoming that trio of, of Caicedo, Enzo, and Gallagher when we were like, Lavia is here. And sure, he is, but it's going to take some time. And Gallagher deserves all the praise that's coming his way. He, he really does. And I'm glad that you mentioned that he's the captain in the absence of recent Ben Chilwell because I think I'm appreciative of the fact that Pochettino has recognized what he brings to the club. And it's not just, oh, yeah, he's a Chelsea boy that wants to pull on the shirt. Sure, that's a big thing. He, it's very, very important that there's somebody who wants to be here and wants to bleed for Chelsea. But it's that tenacity, Rahul. And we've, we've listened to a lot of people talk about captains who can lead vocally and make noise and, you know, show what they want to do. But then there are also captains that can lead by what they do on the pitch. And I think Caliga might be one of those who leads by what he does on the pitch, which is just work hard, show determination, never give up. And in a time where we've struggled, you probably need somebody like that, where the team looks at each other and said, we've lost another game, we've lost another game. And you look up and your captain in the 19th minute is running across the pitch to close down a tackle and you go, that's the guy I want to play with, and that's the guy who's leading me. And hopefully that rubs off on the rest of the team. So I, for one, am very excited. I am disappointed that we've lost Ben Chilwell as well. We've not even talked about that at, at left back for a couple of months. Rahul, is he going to be a miss with Colwell now becoming Ashley Colwell, I guess? <laughs> we we won the game, but lost half our squad because we did. what Chilwell went off, Mudrik went off. Uh, Chilwell, did he, come? he didn't come on. He so didn't play. He, he, was, he was out already. Mudrik went off, Roya went off, Caicedo went off, Enzo <laughs> went off. And I'm like, what cost have we won this game? But it's just it's just baffling because we we can't keep anyone fit. It's just, but, and I, I hope I don't jinx it, but 39-year-old Thiago Silva seems to be doing great. And long may it continue because we, we, we need him. But I think coming back to Joel, we are going to miss him, uh, but it almost forces... Pochettino to use an attacker in an attacking position as long as Mudrik is available. Um, but we still do have Matson and Kukurea. Yep. So uh, I think we have enough cover with Colwell still playing that position. Um, but it's a little concerning that Chilwell and Reese keep picking up these little knocks and they're out for two months here and three weeks there and two two games here, two games there. It's just... For captain, vice captain, just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, and hopefully it's something that they can bounce back from. But you and I have sat in these chairs and in these podcasts and said the same thing now for four years running where hopefully they can bounce back from this and stay fit. So we, we may need to do an episode, Rahul, where we really focus on Chelsea's medical staff and how recovery things are going because I do understand and acknowledge injuries and they're part of a football club. But I can't think of another football club that's had an injury crisis the volume of Chelsea's with, I think, at least 12 to 13 high-quality first-team players that are consistently out. That's something that we should be worried about. Yeah, I mean, and it it, it does point to maybe a, a larger problem because you think about it, Man City have maybe four or five 
Uh, United have a few. Arsenal have picked up a few. So it does bring up a bigger question, and, and we certainly won't try to de- get into that here. Is but is that are we are these players just playing too many games with club football, with international football? You think about it. There's barely any breaks, and FIFA is just adding more games. So I'm not going to get into any more details, but. Maybe we just do a special episode where we we analyze some of these things and try to try to figure out what's going on. We definitely will. But that brings us to two wins on the bounce, a win in the Premier League. We suddenly go from 14th in the league to, I think, 11th top now in the, the league. Table. Which, the top of the table, the second half of the table. You can tell the mood is pleasant and happy here. But any closing thoughts up on Fulham, Rahul? I guess just take it forward for the next game. Yeah, it's you said building blocks. This is a second piece to that puzzle but we can't have it all get ruined this weekend when we go up against Burnley and it is going to be a tough game it's away from home uh, but we've seen good things in at least that first 45 and maybe some not so good things where Rob Sanchez gives the ball away but gets it back and has to make some saves in that second half which is expected but yep. uh, you don't need to invite those that, that kind of pressure on yourself when you're trying to build out from the back but I hope our players, some of them are fit and ready to go again this weekend because we will need them to continue maybe putting on three points at a minimum, at least one this weekend. That's what we're hoping for. Let's talk about some other fixtures in and around the Premier League. I think we started the downfall of Brighton, which makes me a little bit pleased because they've been a club that has, for lack of a better word, shafted us in the last couple of transfer (laughs) windows, not only with players, but with a manager. And we beat them in the Carabao Cup, which, yes, there's a little bit of luck to it, and we take it, right? But then, come Premier League weekend, Aston Villa. Rahul, you and I had talked about them. We saw them in preseason. We thought they would struggle, and there's still time to struggle as they build off into Europe. But 6-1 against Brighton. And it's the mighty Brighton that I'm thinking about four or five episodes ago. We said, we need to put some respect on their name. They're no longer that team that shows up out of nowhere, they're a European kind of contender. And here's Aston Villa going, we're European contenders too. Take six against you. It, it was it was definitely shocking. I watched a, a little bit of that game and I thought it was going to there were going to be goals, but I didn't think there was going to be six for Villa and one for Brighton. <laughs> but credit to Villa, they they put away their chances. Watkins gets a hat trick. Um and maybe Brighton could have used a Caicedo or a Cucurea or Rob Sanchez, but we, I'm not going to say we got shafted for it because they're, <laughs> they're, they're performing for us now. Uh, but it's, it is what it is. It's one of those things where a team that's like Brighton or even Villa, where they are open, they're pushing forward to get it back into the game. If you put away your chances, anything can happen. Um, but it was shocking and, and a real shot in the arm for Villa who – win at Sanford Bridge, win against Villa, uh, Brighton, and I believe they're now sitting close to that top four, which is ultimately their goal. So um, good result for them. I think Brighton will bounce back. And let's see as the season progresses, because that was definitely one that was very, very impressive on the Villa side. A team that struggled this year, Rahul, other than us, obviously, is Manchester United. Lots of hopes on their shoulders. It's the second season for Ten Hag. We thought that cleaning out the likes of Ronaldo and maybe making some changes this season with Jadon Sancho, he's doing the strong arm tactic and rebuilding Manchester United. But they have had their problems this season, and it continues. They lose one nail to Crystal Palace. Another shocking result, but 
I'm almost waiting for you to remind me that I wanted Onana. That in itself is a big discussion of <laughs> you are very, very pro Onana and all of these d- things about he needs to be the man, he needs to be our goalkeeper. <laughs> and listen, we've criticized Rob Sanchez this season, Rahul, for his lack of ability with his feet. But if he can keep a clean sheet from saves, I don't want a keeper that can play with their feet <laughs> if I have to see some of these things and these antics that are happening with Onana. Yeah, look, it's... it's uh... It's a messy situation at United. It's not just on the pitch. It's off the pitch with um, all the allegations and things flying around against certain players. Then you take it even a step further, the the boardroom and the club's for sale, the club's not for sale. Um, and I think all, ultimately all of that is impacting, impacting what's happening on the pitch because there's just noise around the club that, that, that you don't want. And then you're not winning. That just adds to it. Uh, and and actually, they've also lost today against Galatasaray in the Champions Oof. League. So, um, not good times, and they certainly have to turn it around because they had something good with Ten Hag. They had something that they could build with, like we've been talking about building blocks. But it's just not happened, and it's almost reminding me of past seasons under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, where they've mm. had good results in in the first maybe season, season and a half, and then things have kind of fallen apart fallen down Jose Mourinho same thing so do they write it do they let it kind of fix itself take take what it comes this season or do they make that change only time will tell really and it it reminds me of Rahul our struggle frankly with the managerial merry-go-round of a couple of good seasons they win a trophy here or there I guess the difference with Man United is they've not really got the silverware to back up kind of the the changing of the guard of managers every year every every few seasons but like you said, we just got to see what they want to do as a club and long-term how they root out some of these problems. And and it may come back to the sale. That's something that's been ongoing and looming over the club for the best part of a year now. But we move on and talk about another shock. It seems to be just be shocks this weekend in the Premier League, and that's Manchester City registering their first loss. Two ones to Wolves. Rahul, I know Wolves can play some good football, but they haven't been the same Wolves we saw maybe three or four seasons ago where Raul Jimenez was tearing up the league, Neto was coming in, Podence was coming in and scoring goals. But they get the business done this time around. They certainly do. And and they've had a decent start to the season. They were the better side against United on opening day. They should have beaten Liverpool a couple of games ago, but it just hasn't fallen their way. But no one expected them to beat Man City, who were flying, had won six in, in a row. Um and yeah, I, I didn't watch the game, so I don't know too much about how it went through and maybe Man City were just missing chances, but Wolves deserve credit. They get the job done and, and Man City, maybe they just needed this wake-up call because they have come off the treble. They've won six in a row, like I said, and they just needed a little reminder that this is the Premier League. The magic of the Premier League, as I say it, my friend. Anybody can beat anybody on their day. Uh, moving away from some of the shock results, Rahul, we won't really talk about these, but Newcastle 2-0 against Burnley, getting the business done. Arsenal 4-0 against Burnmouth, getting the business done. The only other real shock, and I think it's something that we can spend a quick second on, is Everton lose 2-1 to, to Luton with Everton being at home. No disrespect to Luton, but Everton have played good in the last couple of games, so it's a, it's a bit of a surprise to come by for this one. A hundred percent, because Everton were shaky to start off they went away to Brentford put in a great performance scored three goals mm-hmm. came back knocked Villa out of the cup and you're suddenly looking around and you're saying all right Everton seemed to have picked up some form they should do the business against Luton Town at home but 
like you said, magic of the Premier League. Anybody can beat anybody, and Luton beat them to pick up their first win this season in the Premier League. It's definitely impressive for Luton, and maybe they're trying to figure out a way to grab as many points as they can, as quickly as they can, <laughs> to shoot for that survival that you and I were talking about last week for Chelsea. So, and, and we still may up. come back to that, but for <laughs> now, we're, we're away. We're keeping it positive, my friend. <laughs> we're keeping it positive. Rahul, let's wrap up the other Premier League results with, I don't want to call it a shock, but maybe the controversy of the weekend, and that's Tottenham versus Liverpool. Everything was shaping up to be a huge match, and for these big games, you usually want referees to stay out of it, let the players do the talking, let the match play itself out. The game finishes 2-1 to Tottenham, so they win and they take three points. However, there was a big, big amount of controversy with the VAR decision for an offside goal regarding Luis Diaz. Ultimately, the player scores a goal. It is judged as offside on the pitch with the linesman. It goes for a VAR review and ultimately comes back as onside. However, if you want to elaborate a little bit, it doesn't seem like the decision from the VAR room makes it to the on-field referee in time or there's a communication breakdown somewhere, if you want to elaborate it in your words. It's it's just a mess, Jackie. We've, I mean, you and I have experienced this with Chelsea where decisions go against us. Uh, there's no explanation that comes out. But this was, I want to say, in the history of VAR, the worst decision. And and not because it was a decision that was not given. It's just the communication and the lack thereof between what's going on on the pitch and what's being viewed or reviewed in, in the in the studio, the VAR studio. Uh, and luckily, we were recording this now on a Tuesday night where we've had the benefit of listening to the audio. And it just, it just doesn't make sense. Now, I, as much as I want to put the narrative out there that of course it's Liverpool and of course it's the the darlings of England where everything is now going to be fixed or going to be highlighted but it needs to be highlighted because this could have happened to to any team in the league and it's concerning because it it questioned you question the referees you question the process that they go through the the lack of communication that there is and what are they doing in the studio when they when the games are on? Are they just putting their feet up and and playing games on their phone? And then when they're called on, they're like, "We'll just pull it back and see what happened." Uh, so it's just it's concerning. Are they now going to overcompensate for the rest of the season and give Liverpool decisions that they don't need to be giving? We don't know, uh, but it is very concerning. It it was a goal. Uh, it should have been onside. The VR says it's onside, but or says it's it's off. It was not offside. Something like that. I, I can't remember the exact scenario at this point. But yeah, it's it's a mess. It needs to be fixed, and I don't know how they fix it apart from just improving the training for the referees and getting maybe an outside party in there that's verifying the steps that are taken. I, I don't know. It requires a little more of a of a of a deeper dive into how they go about making these decisions. Listen, Rahul, we're seven games into the Premier League. We've had a handful of cup games. We've had a couple of European games. And the theme this early on in the season, at least from what I've seen, is there's a lot of inconsistency in the refereeing decisions that are happening. One decision that we can look at with regards to Chelsea, and and this is me trying to be as unbiased as possible, probably the Malagusto red card is not a red card. But the Leslie Ugochuko one that he gets away with in another game is a red card, and he doesn't even see yellow for that. So that shows some inconsistencies. 
I can take inconsistencies when an on-pitch referee in the heat of the moment is moving around and makes a decision to the best of his or her judgment from what they can see in the angles they can see it. I have never been a fan of VAR the way it has been implemented for football. Coming to that, you now have a team of referees that are sitting on the sidelines that take another 30 seconds to maybe two minutes to look at an incident that a referee potentially missed. In this case, we're talking about an offside with Liverpool. You get to look at it for an extended period of time. In fact, the game is paused while there's a VAR check. So maybe take a couple extra seconds to do what you need to do because you're delaying us anyway. You see it with different angles. And for some reason, the amount of chaotic communication during this process is frankly quite shocking to me for a league that produces a product that is secondary to none. We know the Premier League is one of the most watched leagues in the world and hence generates a lot of revenue. Hence, you see the transfers, you see the wage bills. It really is dangerous to have something like this happen. Either you're going to go back to the on-field referees and if it's ruled offside and we just deal with it, we move on and it's it's a fight at the pub later with our friends going, that was onside, what a stupid referee, and we go away from there. But the fact that you've paused the game now for a couple of minutes and are still unable to make a clear conversation back to the on-field referee, it really is a problem. And yes, it's one game, and yes, it's a couple of points, but the difference between the match earnings between a second place and a fourth place because of two or three points is immense. Is the referees association going to be paying for that? Absolutely not. And what's even more scary is the difference between staying in the Premier League and getting relegated is upwards of 30 million pounds in revenue, which is not a short number by any means necessary. So I can only sit here and criticize watching from the outside, but I really do think they need to take a good hard look and say if they can't keep some consistency going, if they have to add all of these additional minutes and moments to a game, go back to classic refereeing. We can have our, our debates in the pub with our friends about a referee who made a silly decision on the pitch. And and that's a fair fair argument and a fair assessment of it. But Vera was supposed to make things better, and right now we're just getting apology after apology from the PGMOL that we got it wrong. This was a human error. We missed this, and it doesn't seem to get better. Which is which is my bigger thing is mistakes can happen, right? You and I make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. It's about how you don't have that happen again, and the same referees come out, maybe not this week. We'll give them a couple of weeks off. We'll drop them to a lower division. They continue to collect their paycheck. They continue to do their job. They'll come back up and do the job again. And there's no consequences, but you've pointed out there are consequences to these teams. There are consequences to a manager. Tuchel gets fired two games after Cucurera's hair is pulled. Would that have happened if he's maybe won that game? Probably because of the ownership issue. But... Um, Key decisions are pending on match results. And the only ones that get away without major punishment or major consequences are the referees. And and then they come out and say, well, you can't misbehave or talk to us rudely. Well, if you do your job right, no one's going to be talking to you rudely. But players look at this, and it's not just Liverpool players. Tottenham players, our 100%. players, all the other players in the, in the division are going to look at this and be like, they, they don't know what they're doing. And we can maybe influence them by yelling at them or we can maybe drive a decision a different way. And so we really need to get to the bottom of this. But unfortunately, we're seven games in. We've got 32, 31 games more to go. How are they going to fix this while games are happening? We we don't know. So 
I'm, I'm interested to see, and I, I give Liverpool credit because they've come out, made a, a strong position, put out good statements, and asked for the audio to be released where maybe in the past, and, and maybe Chelsea yeah. are, are, are guilty of this, where we just accept it or, or take a fine because we've been vocal right after the game. But Liverpool are putting out a stance, and it hurts me to say they're right, but ultimately it should help everyone in the league with, with what they're trying to do. Yeah, and listen, the difference in the couple of points or maybe even a win if things go their way is they're top of the league this weekend and it's a whole different feeling around the, the football club. But Rahul, I think we've had our, our say here on the results and this controversy. Let's take a quick break to get a word from our sponsors and we can come right back and discuss our next game. The Premier Chels has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the US and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Networks broadcast Premier League, Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today at fubotv.com forward slash TPC. Okay, we've talked a lot about Chelsea. We've talked a lot about a controversy. We've talked about other Premier League games we now are coming up to the next one, and that's Burnley. Rahul, do you want to build this up a little bit to Burnley? Maybe take us through some of the facts. Maybe Vincent Company coming back to the Premier League. What do you think a starting eleven would look like? And ultimately, let's give a score prediction as well. Yeah, so Burnley have won just one of their 16 Premier League <laughs> games against Chelsea. They've drawn four, lost 11. Uh, it was a 3-2 away win in August of 2017, uh, when, if you remember this game, for the famous Eva uh, Canario, Canario, your blast um, from the past year, my friend. Yeah, incident with Jose Mourinho where he absolutely loses it with her. <laughs> uh, Chelsea end up losing that game three two, and that's the only time Burnley have won. Uh, Chelsea have won seven of their eight away Premier League visits to Turf Moor, which is Burnley's home ground. No team has played more away games against an opponent in the competition without losing. So. <laughs> We used to do this last season where we'd read out these stats and they would all favor Chelsea getting a result. And then we know what would happen. But um, I'll just throw one more in there. Burnley are without a clean sheet in 16 Premier League games against Chelsea with only West Brom versus Arsenal and Wolves versus Arsenal facing an opponent more without ever concede, uh, recording a shutout. So another stat to to help our case. Uh, and then, yes, you're right. Vincent Company is coming back or has been back in the in the league as a manager. He joined Burnley. He brought them up. They were top of the championship last season. They've taken a jump up. They've actually transitioned over from playing that park-the-bus football that uh, Burnley have been known for. They're a little more attacking, a little more open, which we've seen they've paid for this season with some of the results that have come their way, especially against Tottenham. But... They are picking up points. They did keep it tight against United at home a couple of weeks ago, which is another team that is struggling. So it's it's going to be a difficult game. It's going to be a test for, for this squad. But we're coming into it off of two wins. We're coming into it with some confidence and with some positivity. But we're also coming into it without some key players. Absolutely. And Rahul, you've done some good things here mentioning what Burnley achieved last season, obviously, Number one in the championship, they played some attractive free-flowing football. We kept a short eye on them because our Ian Matson was out there maybe bossing the championship at left back. Are you surprised, or maybe it's expected, are you surprised that they have not 
maybe got a few more extra points under the belt given that they wore the championship number one last year? Is it maybe because they came in a little more open in their play style, wanting to play the traditional attacking football rather than realizing the Premier League is a step up, maybe we should be a little tighter? Are you just surprised that they have not managed to grab a few more points in the Premier League? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. But having said that, I did expect them out of the three teams that came up to be doing better. Uh, and at this point, if you look at the table, Luton are a, a step above them, but they're all on the same same points, four points yep. each. So um, I do expect Burnley to end up staying in the league. But the way things have started, it is tough to to build a case around that because they are conceding goals. They're not scoring enough. They are a very young team. They've got a manager who's never managed in the Premier League. And um, for as much as all the great work you do in the championship, the Premier League is just another whole whole step up in a beast where you have to adapt and you have to do things the right way by picking up points. Uh, but again, you look at it and you say seven points, um, seven games, four points. It's not bad, uh, but could they be a little bit better? Sure. Um, so that's where it is concerning if I'm a Burnley fan. But you still got time. Maybe you can gel a, a couple of a, put a couple of games together and get a couple of points and, and pull away, which we've seen in the past. So it's early, but you can't let this continue for too long. Yeah, and I just like you had expected Burnley to maybe be the best of the promoted teams and show what they can bring to the table. But like you said, seven games in, maybe they're still finding their feet. I know they had a lot of lone players and a lot of players leave as they've moved on from here. Ian Matson obviously was a big miss as well. It's going to be an interesting game. We've come off a two wins back-to-back. We're scoring goals, but you've already mentioned that we've got some injuries and potentially, Rahul, a few more key injuries that could come up based on the last game, and we're yet to see what happens from there. However, that being said, I do think we have a big enough squad to fill some holes in the team. So given the knowledge you know today, and it appears that Pochettino is going to stick with a 4-3-3 or some version of it, which is a 4-2-3-1, whatever you want to call it, what do you think he goes with as far as personnel? Who are the people that he's selecting? It's going to be Sanchez in goal, Kukurea at right back. I don't think Gusto has three matches, right? So I believe it was a straight be, red, yeah. This would be a second one. So, yeah, Kukurea at right back, Disasi, Thiago Silva, Kowal as the back four. No Matson for this game? I, I, I don't think so. He's, I mean, he doesn't anyway naturally favor a left back, so <laughs> definitely not in a back four. Uh, maybe further up, we could we could build a case around it. But I think as the back four, it's going to be Kukurea, Disasi, Thiago Silva, and Kowal. Okay, and if we have Caicedo fit, we are still unsure in Enzo fit. Do you think he stays with the same three, which is Enzo, Caicedo, and Gallagher, with Gallagher potentially playing a little higher up the pitch? Yes, and if Caicedo isn't, then Leslie Ugochuku comes in, who did a decent job against Bournemouth away. Yeah, and he's been he's been pretty solid. We've seen that for a young guy that has come from France and maybe not having any expectation on his shoulders. I think that's a good thing because we've actually seen him par what we all expected. So either way, excited to see him into the pitch if Caicedo cannot do it. And I don't know how far Lavia is, but I'm sure that would be a nice refresher to see him come into the pitch as well and see what he can bring to the table. Let's talk about the front three, Rahul. We didn't cover Raheem Sterling in the last game. He doesn't get selected to start that game. I know we've talked a lot about Raheem Sterling and his inconsistencies. Nani Mandoweke did not start that game as well. He's also been highlighted and maybe in Pochettino's bad books for a couple of poor decisions he's making. He is a young man going out and doing 
a few things maybe he shouldn't be doing. Uh, but Broha comes off, maybe you said might not be an injury. Mudrik's look good. Cole Palmer, who are the three you're going with up front? If Mudrik is fit and isn't at the risk of maybe aggravating an, an injury, I would play him on that left side. I would play Nicholas Jackson as the striker. Nothing against Broha, but I think he just needs to continue getting eased back into it. Yep. And it's not a bad way to come in if, if you scored a goal because you come in off the bench and you could be a super sub. So Jackson back in, he's had a week off. And then on that right, I, I would like to see Cole Palmer, but I can see Sterling coming back in. Interesting. So it's the return of Raheem, and that's going to be a, a good mix of players, I think, Rahul. And ultimately, there's going to be a good discussion that comes out of it, depending on how Raheem Sterling performs, because I think we've, We've kind of highlighted him a few times, maybe fairly or unfairly so, as needing to step his game up. And with full respect to Burnley, this is potentially the game he should be stepping up in and bagging a couple of goals or maybe even an assist. But given all the information we have, do you think we're going to get a three wins on the bounce? I do. I do think so. How um, confident are you? Are you going for a 4 nail <laughs> win in this game? <laughs> you, know, you know what it is. At this point, it's like, okay, we want to... There is a drop coming somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm I'm gonna be confident. Score lines would suggest this is a three nil based on one, two, and three, the way things have been going. But I will honestly take a one nil, keep it tight, keep it keep it close, <laughs> even though it would be it would be nail biting, uh, and just get out of there with, with three points. So I'll go for a one nil, but I'll happily take a three nil. There you go. I think that this should not be the drop, knock on wood, at least from what I can see. There are much tougher fixtures coming up in the next few weeks. And so for me, it's pivotal that we get a win in this game just to keep the points and continue to climb up the table, but also for the confidence, because as we progress in this in this series and talk more about the next games, it's going to get harder, Rahul. And so we need to make sure the boys are keeping mentally ready for each game. So I think we can do this. I think we can win. I've seen Burnley's record of scoring is not great. So I think we can do another 2 nail. I'd like to see Jackson pick back where he left off and maybe Raheem Sterling stepping up, like we said. But I will also take a Mudrik goal. But 2 nail looks 2 nail looks good for now. And any any kind of win looks good for now. It's not, <laughs> it's not really about performing or or you know being being the best team. It's just about getting the result because you're right. We have tough fixtures coming. This is a game before the international break, so you want to go away with that positive momentum and, and feeling because you come back and it's Arsenal at home. Uh, so it's key for us to to put those building blocks in place. Yeah, so I'm excited for it. Hopefully we can take that win, but Rahul, why don't you take us home from here? Absolutely. So that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on all podcast providers, Instagram, and on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. Uh, and we will be back with a Burnley review and maybe we'll do something fun during the international break and, and change it up. But until then, stay safe and up the chels. Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. 
Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.